I want to invite you to open with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 today. We're going to look at this passage from Luke chapter 2. And uh, this morning, we're going to read this this story of of the birth of Christ. And this, for me, uh, has been a family tradition on Christmas morning that that I have done with my family all the way back to as far back as I can remember. And when I was a little boy, we would gather with my grandparents, my my dad's parents at at their house, my grandpa John Bell. Some of you will remember him. Uh, He pastored here this church for uh, many years, and uh, some of you were even maybe baptized by him. And and anyway, so that's reading, you know, my earliest memories of Christmas were reading, uh, him reading the the story from Luke chapter 2, and then my grandmother who would make us all get down on our knees and repent and have a Holy Ghost prayer service for what seemed to us as kids like ours, well before stockings or presents. And we made sure we kept Christ in the center of Christmas. Now, I am going to read... Uh, to us today from Luke chapter 2, and I, I went and grabbed my grandpa's Bible off the shelf this morning, so uh, reading from his Bible this morning, which is special for me. But I'm, uh, good news, I'm not going to make us all get down on our knees uh, this morning. Uh, I know that might be uh, difficult, so uh, we will skip that part today. But Luke chapter 2, and of course Christmas is the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what this day is about. This day is not about Santa. Sorry. Oh, kids, or parents, plug your kids' ears. Uh, this, This day is not about Rudolph or the snowman and all of that. This day is about Jesus. Jesus. We celebrate Jesus' birth. Now, his birth. Of all the people that have ever lived, the billions of people, the world over today stops, pauses to reflect on, to celebrate this birth of this one baby. Why this baby? There's lots of other famous people People famous for good things, people famous for not some, some not so good things, but the world over celebrates the birth of this baby. Why this baby? Well, I would submit to you that the reason why we would remember anyone would be because of the life that they lived, because of what they did in their life. That's why we celebrate the birth of Christ, because of who he was and what he did in his life. That's why we celebrate. That's why we also don't celebrate other people's birthdays. You think about certain people from human history, there's nobody celebrating their birthday. I won't even mention their names today, but they're undoubtedly those names flooding your minds right now. But we celebrate the birth of Jesus because of who he is and what he did in his life. 
And so I want to read to you this account of Luke uh, from Luke chapter 2. Of course, very familiar to uh, many of us. You could probably recount it uh, from memory. But this morning we're going to look at here these first 20 verses. And it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, into Judea, and to the city of Bethlehem, to the city of David, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word as we just spend the next few moments here reflecting on, pondering on this great gift, the Savior which was born in Bethlehem. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just meet with us here as we've come here today to meet with you. Lord, enrich our hearts, fill our souls with your light, with your love. We thank you today for the great joy it is to be able to gather to celebrate, to sing, to worship our King of kings and Lord of lords, this babe born 
and laid in a manger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have a saying in our our language, our, our culture. Maybe you can quote it with me. Maybe you can fill in the blank with me. The devil is in the details. We know this. The devil is in the details. I'm here this morning to tell you that's not the truth. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is in the details. God is in the details. Amen? That's the title of my sermon this morning, and that's the point. I have one point this morning for you. One point. And that is that God is in the details. Now, I do have seven sub-points this morning. (laughs) No, I'm not joking. If you're new here, no, I'm not joking. But we are going to move through these quickly. But from this Christmas story, from this story of the birth of the Savior, I want to show you, I want to impress upon your heart that our God is the sovereign God. And that He is not just sovereign over the big things of life, but that He is sovereign even over the smallest, what we would even consider to be minute details, that God is even in those. And for believers in Christ and believers in the King of Kings and in the Lord of Lords, this truth, the sovereignty of God, that the hand of God's providence that guides our lives is of supreme comfort to us. As we gather here on this last day of 2022, undoubtedly 2022 held in it some some wonderful things, some great joys, but no doubt too this year as we reflect over it, as we think over it, no doubt we all walked through certain valleys this year. No no doubt there was also some some dark times, some difficult times. I want to show you that, that God is not only with us on the mountaintop. God is not only with us on on those details, but God is even in the details of the hard times, of the difficult times, of the dark times. So that the psalmist David would even write, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. God is in the details, the, the sovereign hand of providence. The first we see is in the relationship between Mary and Joseph. The relationship between Mary and Joseph. You'll recall that when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, the baby obviously wasn't his. It, it was conceived in her of the Holy Spirit. That when Mary and, and, and Joseph, when they were put into this situation, that Joseph had decided that he was going to break off the engagement, the, the betrothal, that he was going to divorce her. He, he wasn't going to marry someone that he believed was unfaithful to him. But you'll re- also recall that God sent the angel Gabriel to him, to Joseph. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says, As Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God was concerned even about the details of the relationship between Mary and Joseph. 
The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons, which means that God is even in the details of our relationships. Of our relationships. That even our relationships are, are under the, the sovereign hand and the care of the Lord. What a great comfort this is to us because I don't know if you know this, but sometimes all of our relationships aren't just peachy. Right? Sometimes there's friction in relationship, right? Sometimes there's, there's conflict. Sometimes we don't always see eye to eye. But God is in the details. God is in the details. We can hold on to this even if we're in the midst of a rocky relationship that God is even in the midst of that. God speaks to Joseph. He says, don't be afraid. Take Mary. God is even in our relationships. He's concerned about the details of our relationships. The second this morning is that we see where where God is, is in the details is that we see this decree given out by the king. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, the most powerful man on the planet, issues this decree. This decree that all the world should be taxed or, or registered, this, this taxing, this, cens, this census. We know that God was, was moving. He, he, he was moving Mary and Joseph, who were in Nazareth, to Bethlehem. He had to move them there because the Messiah, the prophet had said, would be born in Bethlehem. And so even the most powerful man on the planet is under the sovereign hand and rule of the king of the universe. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says this, that the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. What a great comfort to us to to know that God is even working through good rulers and bad rulers, through righteous rulers and unrighteous rulers, that God's plan and purpose cannot, will not be stopped by the unrighteous, that even they are unknowingly bringing about his ultimate plan and purpose. Now, we can step back and look at the things that are happening, and even in a, in, in a culture like ours, which is decaying, which has stage four cancer, and it is spreading all throughout the culture, and we can look at the rulers and the unrighteous ways in which they are ruling, and we can step back and say, what is going on? We can long for, for righteousness and, and for justice, true justice, to, to fill our land, But even in that, we know that there is a king who is accomplishing his ultimate plan and purpose. And that is a comfort to our hearts because God is in the details. It says that he put it in, 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 that Caesar Augustus decides that his whole empire is going to be taxed. What a joy to know that God is even in the midst of our finances. Even the details of Being taxed, God is involved even in that. The king's decree. Number three is the family that you're born into. The family that you're born into is not an accident. The parents that you had, the mother and father that you had, that's not an accident. We see this here in in verse four. 
that Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Jesus was born into Joseph's family for this purpose because Joseph was a descendant of King David. And God had made a promise to King David that upon his throne that there would be a descendant who would come and who would rule the nations of the increase. We read that uh, passage this morning from Isaiah 9. Of the increase of his government, there would be no end. That he would rule his kingdom with justice and righteousness. Amen? And so God had to bring Jesus into a family from the descendant of David to fulfill his promise that he had made to David. So that even the family that Jesus is born into is not an accident. And so therefore, it's not an accident the family you're born into. Now, you may have been an accident to your parents. Very, very likely, in fact. And there are accidental pregnancies, but there are no accidental people. The Bible says that he knew us and that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before God ever said, let there be light. Before God ever hung the stars in the sky. Before God ever gathered the land from the sea and separated the waters from the land. Before God ever did any act of creation, he had chosen his people in Christ. The family that you were born into was no accident. It's by God's sovereign decree and plan. God is in the details of our life. Number four, I I talked about this just briefly, but number four, the location which Jesus was born was no accident. Micah 5.2, the prophet had declared where the Messiah would be born. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This, this prophecy that the, the ancient of days, the, the, the Emmanuel, God with us, someone from eternity past would be born in this little tiny town of Bethlehem. Of all the places that the king could be born, of all the places that the Savior would be born, God set his eyes on this little tiny town of Bethlehem. Likewise, the places in which we live, In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul says that God determines, predetermines the places and the times in which we will live. It's not an accident that you're alive here today in 2022. I know some of us tend to look back on, you know, leave it to Beaver and man, I wish I could have, you know, Wally Cleaver as my dad, you know, all of the the kind of the apple pie and 50 Chevrolet kind of days and why am I here and... 2022 and gas is $400 a gallon and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's no accident. God predetermines the times and the places into which we would be born. God determined that you would be alive today, this day. He, He specifically knit you together and made you for this time and for this day, for his purpose. 
and the places in which we live. It's no accident that you're here in San Antonio, Texas this morning. It's no accident that you're here gathered at Destiny Church today. These details are under the sovereign care and providence of our God. Number five, verse seven, God is in our everyday interactions. As we interact with with one another, out in the world, out at work, at our family, Justin today prayed for us that we, when we leave this place, that we would go out as missionaries to take the light of Jesus to our families That God is even in in the interactions today as we open the presents and the stockings and and eat the the tamales, which I I pray to be eaten here in a few minutes. As, (laughs) As we do all of those things, God is even in those very mundane details. Look at this. It, it says that, that, that she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. Why? Because there was no room for them in the end. As they looked for a place to, to bring forth this child, where this child could be born, their, their first place wasn't a barn that they looked. The first place they looked for wasn't a stable. That They weren't looking for sheep and for cows to to be the the nurse and the doctor to deliver this child. But as they went from place to place, from house to house, they heard over and over again, there's no room for you here. There's no room for you here. There's no room here for you. As they were turned down time and time again, listen, God was in those details. God was in those every interaction. Sorry, there's no room for you. Sorry, there's no, God was in that. Related, number six, that God is in the struggles and the hardships of our lives. Think about that as they go from door to door, as they're turned down time and time again. Think about how confusing this must have been for Mary and Joseph. Didn't the angel come and tell us that we were going to give birth to the Son of God? The Savior of the world? The Messiah? The King? The the one that the prophets spoke about? God, we did our best, but the best we could do for you was have you be born in a manger. How confusing that must have been for them. God is even in the confusing things of our life. God is even in our hardships and in our struggles. He he is there with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And then finally, number seven. I told you I was going to move quick. You didn't believe me, but I did. Number seven. Number seven, the shepherds. These shepherds. The, The... Jesus, they're born in Bethlehem. And God sends his heavenly host. He sends his his choir of angels that fill the nighttime sky. It was as bright as day when those angels appeared. To sing a song to shepherds. To shepherds. Not, Not to kings, not to rulers, not to princes. Not the very powerful people in high places. No, out in the fields. These lowly 
Shepherds were the first ones to hear of the birth of the baby who would change everything. Have you ever wondered why? Why these shepherds? God doesn't do anything on accident. It's not that all the kings and princes were busy celebrating Christmas and so God couldn't, you know, send someone, the angels to them. No, God is in the details. Every single last detail of of this birth of his son was according to his perfect plan. So why shepherds and why these shepherds outside of Bethlehem? Well, firstly, you have to understand that these were not just ordinary shepherds. These were special shepherds, as I'm going to show you here in a minute. They, they, They weren't just the common Shepherds, and to understand this, we have to understand the context into which Jesus was born. The, the, the times in which Jesus was born, the, the people to which Jesus was born to. Jesus wasn't just any Savior. Jesus wasn't just any Messiah. He was the Jewish Messiah. He was born into a Jewish family. Galatians 4.4 4 says he was born at the fullness of time, born under the law. Born under the law. Jesus was born in a time where the Jewish people were involved in this sacrificial system. Where they had to offer up lambs as an atoning sacrifice for their sin. Now we know that the Bible teaches that that this blood that was shed by the lambs, that it didn't uh, atone for their sin, it, it merely covered their sin. That it all pointed towards and pointed forward to the one who would come to offer up himself as a sacrifice for sin. But, but the Jewish people lived with the law of God. The law of God which, which clearly, the Bible says, shows us our need for a savior. The law of God which shows us God's perfect and holy and righteous standard which all of us have fallen very, very short of. So that the Apostle Paul will write that all have sinned, that's broken the law of God, and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, there's not a one of us in here who has not broken God's law. We've all sinned. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all broken the commandments of the Lord. This puts us in a difficult place. This puts us in a place of alienation from God, separation from God, because God is holy. And God and sin do not coexist. Though all of us were designed by God to live in fellowship with God, in relationship with God, in communion with God, to know God. That's why we were made in the very image of God. To know him, to love him, to worship him, to serve him. All of us, the prophet Isaiah says, like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. We've all chosen to to follow our own path and not to obey God's law. Because we've all sinned against God, we've all broken God's commandments, Jesus comes and when Jesus grows up, he says that all of us who sin are enslaved to the devil. 
And so the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, they, they had received this system of sacrifice that would cover their sin, that would atone for their sin until the one that the sacrifices were pointing forward to would come and offer up himself as a final sacrifice for sin. So Jesus is born into this time of this temple sacrificial system, the temple which was in Jerusalem. The Passover, of course, was the highest holy day. We can read about that in Exodus 12. And, and if you've been going through the, the Advent calendar that, that we uh, handed out this year uh, to the families, Exodus 12 was part of our worship last night. We read about that Passover, that first Passover. Passover was the highest holy day. It was the highest holiday. And the first century historian Josephus records that during Passover in Jerusalem at the temple, hear this, over 250 lambs would be sacrificed. As all of Israel would, would gather from all the surrounding area to gather for this one day of atonement, this one day of worship, this whole week-long process of holiday, there would be sacrifices continually offered so that a quarter of a million lambs would be sacrificed. Now, this is an astounding number. This is an incredible number. But God's law actually stipulated the requirements for these lambs. These weren't just any lambs. These lambs had to, number one, be less than one year old. So you have to have 250,000 lambs, less than a year old. They have to be a male. So that cuts out 50%. And then thirdly, they had to be without spot or blemish, no defects. And so these lambs were to be born and to be raised for this sacrifice. Interestingly, tradition developed over time and, and the Jewish leadership from Jerusalem required that any animal to be sacrificed at the temple had to be born within five miles of Jerusalem. So this really narrows down. They had the market on these lambs. It narrows down where they could be born, the type of lamb that it was, how old it could be. And so there was this massive breeding operation that had to be in place to produce enough lambs for the temple sacrifices. And can you guess where outside of Jerusalem, five miles, where is just outside the city of Jerusalem, five miles? Can you guess? The hills of Bethlehem. You see, these weren't just any shepherds. These weren't just any lambs. These were the lambs that were prepared for the Passover sacrifice to atone for the sins of God's people. Additionally, when a lamb would be born, the shepherds would take the lamb, lay it in a manger, and examine it. Look at it. Is there, is there any blemish to this lamb? Is there any defect here? Is there anything on? Is there a spot? They would go over the lamb. They would inspect it. They would look at it. They would see, does it meet the qualifications for the sacrifice? 
And hear this. These same shepherds who raised these lambs for sacrifice in the temple are the very same shepherds that the angel appeared to that night and said, there is one who has been born, a savior who has been born. For centuries, these shepherds had been birthing these lambs and caring for these lambs and inspecting these lambs. And now they're directed by the angels to this baby laying in a manger. They're directed to the one that John the Baptist declared was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These shepherds are directed to go and to inspect the Lamb. To go and to see the Lamb. You see, God has a plan God is in the details. When things don't go according to our plan, we can rest assured that there is one who has a plan who will never fail. Jesus being born in a stable and laid in a manger wasn't part of Mary and Joseph's plan, but it was part of God's plan. Pointing to who this baby was. You see, these weren't just any old shepherds. They weren't just raising any old lambs. And this isn't just any old baby. That baby in the manger was the Lamb of God who would one day live a life without sin, never once breaking God's law, that who would offer himself up freely on Calvary's cross, spreading his arms wide open, shedding his blood to cover our sin. This is why we celebrate the birth of this baby. Because it's only the birth of this baby. It's, it's only Emmanuel, God with us. It's only Jesus who can take away our sin. And on the cross, his arms spread wide open. God in Christ beckoning all who will come. All who would come to the manger, all who would come to the cross are welcomed by him. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter what family you came from. Doesn't matter. None of that matters to him because he died for us. He shed his blood, the Lamb of God, so that our sins could be atoned for, that our sins could be forgiven. And he welcomes us so that all who would believe upon him, all who would turn from their sin, would repent of their sin, would say, I, I repent, I turn, I God, forgive me for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for breaking your law. But I am so thankful that you sent your son to die on that cross, to shed his blood so that my sin could be forgiven. All who turn to him in faith will receive the gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God.
forever. Because Jesus, when he died, newsflash, he didn't stay dead. The other reason we celebrate his birth is because on that third day, that first Sunday after that Friday, Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we gather here on Sunday, because Sunday is the Lord's day. Sunday is the day in which Jesus split the grave wide open, defeating Satan, defeating sin, defeating bondage and brokenness, defeating even death. So that all who would believe on him would share in his victory, would share in his life. Without Christ, we are in bondage. Without Christ, we are in darkness. Without Christ, we have no hope. But with Christ, we have hope and light and victory and salvation and life eternal. And God welcomes us. All to come to the cross. All who would believe upon him in faith. In the manger lay God's plan of redemption. Not an accident, but his plan. Because he is the one who declares the end from the beginning. We can make our plans and They change all the time, don't they? I mean, just getting Christmas together, we've changed our plans 700 times. God has a plan set forth from eternity past that has not changed one dot, one iota. And he wants you to be a part of that plan. He he wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to experience his love and his grace and his unmerited favor and his mercy. And so I welcome you all to come to the lamb. Come to the lamb and receive his sacrifice. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand with me this morning. The worship team is going to come. The ushers are going to get ready. And as they come to prepare, let's just bow our heads and Go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so thankful that you sent your son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Lord, it is only by his sacrifice, it is only by his shed blood that we can have our sins forgiven. Lord, all of us have broken your law. All of us have sinned against you, but you show your love for us in that while we are still sinners... Christ died for us. And so as we gather here today, remembering the birth of the Messiah, remembering the birth of the Savior, the only reason we remember his birth is because of his death and his resurrection, because of his life that he lived. And so, Lord, now as we come to the table, we come in faith, partaking, thanking you for the great sacrifice of your son and your plan that has not failed and will not fail. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.